Hey, this is Adebisi. Hey, this is Damola. Welcome to the AfriCode podcast. This is a podcast for everyday conversations with everyday Africans in tech. Let's get into it. Okay, guys, we are live. Welcome, Ajuna, to the AfriCode podcast. Um, we're excited to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Cool, cool. Um, so, where are you today? Um, I am in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, where I am from. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Is it Dar es Salaam, Tanzania? Like, I, I don't know where that is. Dar es Salaam is in the country of Tanzania in East Africa. Okay. Yeah. Dar es Salaam is the largest city um, in Tanzania. So, that's where I'm from. It's a coastal city. Tanzania is run down to Kenya, if you've never seen it on the map before, which I know a lot of people haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I have never been to Tanzania before, but I probably should have that on my bucket list of places to go to. Um, so so you were born in Tanzania. Um, you've lived there for your entire life or? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Dar es Salaam. I moved to the US when I was 17, going on 18 for college. So yeah, my whole life basically. Well, the last seven years since I've been in first Iowa, then New York, and who knows where next. Iowa? How did you end up in Iowa? Also, hi, I'm Damola. Nice to meet you guys. How did you end up in Iowa from Dar es Salaam? I get that a lot. Because um, it was a very drastic change. Uh, so my dad got his PhD at George Washington University in DC. And he teaches, um, he teaches at the University of Dar es Salaam, but has a lot of respect for their American college system. So when my older sister and I were going to university, we thought about studying outside of the country. So I applied to a bunch of different universities mostly in the US, but also thought about the UK and South Africa and maybe Canada. I wasn't looking at Canada that often because I just thought of it as a cold place. Um, so I used uh, different admissions. Um, so you know how you have like a guidance counselor in the US? Mm -hmm. We don't really have like a college guidance counselor in Tanzania, but there was a company that did that service. There are a lot of different ones for different countries. So I hired a US guidance counselor I'm a U.S. college guidance counselor, and he had a connection to this school in Iowa called Grinnell, where I, another friend of mine had applied to early decision and got in with a pretty good scholarship. Nice. So he suggested that I could try applying there as well when we were deciding which schools I should apply for. Um, and Grinnell accepted me with also a pretty good scholarship. They matched my need, and I hadn't heard of it. I essentially had just, it was a free application, so I was like, why not? added it to <laughs> the bottom of my list and was like, it'll be one of my safety schools. Um, and didn't know anything about Iowa. And then I got accepted. I actually didn't, you know how you like look up when you know your college acceptance letters are coming up, you like check the websites very often. I was checking every other website and forgot about that one. 
And then in the mail, I got an acceptance letter, like in Tanzania, my dad came from work because I used his address. And he was like, you got this box, I don't know what it's for. And that's how we found out that I got accepted. Like it took like an extra month or so for me to know. Um, and then I started having to look up what I like, what Iowa is like. And the college I got into only was about 1400 people. And the town I was in was about 900, 9,000, sorry. Wow. Which coming from big city life in East Africa was going to be very different for me. And then I found out that it's 90% white and it's cold for the majority of the year. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? Um, but it was my, the best fit for me financially. And I really liked the look at the computer science degree. So I just decided to take a risk and go. No one in my family had been to Iowa before I went <laughs> and stepped foot on my college campus. That is so interesting. So I've known you, Ajana, for, I don't know, maybe two years now. And I mm -hmm. did not know you went to Grinnell. I did not know that. I, for some reason, thought you went to school in Pennsylvania. Um, so that's very interesting. Tell us a little bit about your experience in Iowa. I also went to college in a very small town, school, very similar to yours. So I'd like mm -hmm. to know the culture shock, like the people, what you, how you decided to study, what you studied, all of that, like your first like how you got to Iowa, your experience, all of that, share with us. Sure. So um, my sister had, was already in university by that time and she was in Georgia. So I went and stayed with her for a week um, as I was flying to go to university. So I arrived a week early, stayed with her, stayed with her. And she gave me like a little rundown of what I needed to know. We went clothes shopping. We bought we, could, we bought a SIM card for me because I didn't have an American number yet. Um, my university had told me that they would help me sign up for a local bank account, so we didn't do that. And basically, she um, the the the, pre, the prep that you do to kind of move to university, she helped me do. I couldn't bring a lot of things from Tanzania because I only had space for two suitcases, so I didn't do like some of the larger shopping that I needed until I got there. And even then, most of it was online, so. I'd, I bought online sheets and had them shipped to my university and other things. And then I flew from um, Atlanta to Des Moines, Iowa, and land. my flight was delayed, so I landed at around midnight. Thankfully, um, there was an admissions person who was there to pick me up. There was an international student orientation. So the person who picked me up was actually from Uganda. Uh, she was a senior at the time, kind of volunteering to help um, the new um, the first the international first years get settled in. Um, but I get to campus and my phone stops working because then um, I'd gotten T-Mobile and T-Mobile doesn't work in that part of <laughs> that part of Iowa. So I can't text my mom that I've arrived and I'm just freaking out because I haven't figured out the college Wi-Fi. My sheets weren't there yet because I got there at midnight. So I just, thankfully my roommate had arrived first so she gave me a bed sheet. But it was a very stark, weird, like to just be in the middle of nowhere and unable to like contact. So thankfully I, I was able to phone call my sister who was able to then tell my parents that I had arrived safely at my university. But overall so, I had a great experience <laughs> at Grinnell. You sound like your first um, couple of days in Grinnell was a lot <laughs> to it put like it mildly. Yeah, um, but thankfully like the orientation started the next day and they kind of helped you. So they took us to Walmart, which was the most 
like that was the biggest store at Grinnell. So we were like, we did a couple trips to Walmart. So I got everything that I needed. And then we went to the bank and got set up. So I was feeling a little bit more comfortable. And I found out like how Grinnell worked. Um, they're a liberal arts university college. So that means that you can take a bunch of different classes. You can, you have one major, but you can take like up to two classes a semester per your major. And then the rest of the two classes or how many credits you took have to be something else. So I really appreciate that at Grinnell and took a lot of random things. And that's how I found out about computer science. I was like, oh, I wanna try that. And I took it my first year, but I tried a lot of other things my first year or so before I had to declare my major and CS was my favorite. So that's how I ended up declaring, but I took a lot of really cool courses at Grinnell and that's why I really appreciated my time there. I didn't know that I would have appreciated that before I had a fight because I did no research. I think that it's, if I was to advise anyone going to universities to definitely do a lot more research on the type of university that you want. Um, because I, they said they had small class sizes, but I didn't know it mattered until I had opportunities to have like one-on-ones with my professors. Because my class sizes, at the largest class I was in had 30 people. Most of the ones I was in, especially as a senior, were like maximum 10. Um, and they took attendance every day. So you, and also I was one of the only black people, if not the only black people person in my class. So I, I, I went to class every day, <laughs> which is, can be a different college experience than people who go to like large universities. Oh my God, Judge. Now we had very similar experiences. This is so funny. I'm curious, <laughs> what, what, what classes did you try or what courses rather did you try um, that didn't work out for you? And how did you really learn on computer science? Um, ooh, what, what else did I try? Um, so I took studio art my first year just to try it out because I'd never taken art before. And I was like, this is not for me. I am not the type of creative they need me to be for this. Um, I tried history as well, African-American history, because I was just very curious, which I enjoyed a lot, but it was a lot more reading and writing than I was used to doing for some of my classes in high school and also the other classes I was taking at the time. So I was not a fan of the amount of workload that I had to do. Um, I also tried math. I thought I would be a double major with math and realized that once you get past calculus and it's all proof writing, I was not a fan. I'm much more comfortable with like the early calculus levels. Like even, I think the, one of the classes I hated the most was um, my first one. I think it was my proof writing class that I had to take. I can't remember what it's called. This, it's like discrete math and it was really awful. Um, so that was that was not it for me. I just took the, as much math as I needed to cover my prerequisites for CS and then immediately dropped <laughs> my ideas of a math major. Um, but I took a bunch of other classes that I knew I wouldn't major in, but I thought were really fun, like gender uh, and women sexu and sexuality class. I took a bunch of those because I thought that they were so awesome. Also coming from Tanzania where I'd never really thought of gender and sexuality in any type of nuanced way, it was fantastic to sort of get an idea of what other folks can experience. And it brought in my mind a lot, which was needed because my school was very liberal. Um, and I had a very diverse group of friends, especially in the gender and sexuality spectrum. Um, there were a lot of other really awesome ones. I took bowling. Bowling was a class that you could take. I took that three times <laughs> and I loved calling my dad and telling him my course load and then mentioning bowling. And he was just like, why am I paying for you to go bowling? I was like, I needed the credit. It was one credit for me to go bowling twice a week <laughs> for free. Well, he paid for it, but I was like, 
this scholarship basically covered that credit if you think about it that like why not so it is not your fault um you went to a school that gave you a fantastic class by bowling but it is your fault you took advantage of it so shoot out kudos to you i wish howard gave me that option the only option they gave us was swimming and you had to learn how to sing the alma mater while swimming and uh, what? let's just put it away. I do not know how to swim. Neither do I know how to sing my school's alma mater. That is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but, uh, you know, so you've come a long way from um, the person who came from Tanzania to Iowa. Um, how was your computer science experience in Iowa? And how did that lead to where you are professionally now? Um, so the CS department at Grinnell is known in like the liberal arts circles as being one of the best in the world, um, which I was really thankful for because I didn't know that going into it, but it gave me a really good breadth of knowledge to get ready for kind of being a software engineer. Another reason why I really love the CS department, it, it grew while I was there. So the professors definitely got less one-on-one -on -one time uh, as it kind of continued growing, but they were very caring group of people. They were also very forward thinking. Um, so like from my first year, there was always um, a talk each semester that kind of talked to you about what opportunities you could take for next semester, what the whole um, path as a computer science student looks like, so which classes you need and why to graduate, and also what you should do with your summers. And the other, like my TA in my intro class, which was in the fall of my first year, he was already accepted as a software engineer at Amazon and we all knew that and I think that put in my mind because he had been an intern at Amazon the fall, like the summer before so it, it was already in my mind that like you could get opportunities like that even though those um, big companies didn't necessarily come to Grinnell to sort of advertise or have a job fair but there was kind of a environment that was fostered in a culture of like making sure that you're doing as much as you can outside of your degree and kind of the professors also facilitated opportunities for you to take either special courses or projects with other departments that gave you something extra to put on your resume so that you could be attractive for these kind of opportunities. So from my first summer, I was an assistant sysadmin for our computer science network on campus. So I stayed that summer to work on that. And then a bunch of friends and I all were really hoping to get internships the following summer so we could make money, but also just so that we could start building up a resume. So from like second year, first semester, we were already thinking about that and sending applications out. Like there was already sort of an environment of like, we have to start hustling very early so that we get an internship second year and another internship third year so that we can like turn the third year internship into a full-time job. So we were all already kind of on that path and working towards it, which was really helpful. Um, so if I like fell off the wagon, a friend of mine will be like, oh, I had an interview last week. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, let me go apply to like four companies and just make sure that I'm like keeping up to it. And that led me to get an internship at Twitter in the summer after my second year and an internship at Google the summer after my third year, which I turned into a full-time position when I graduated. Dang, Adriana, that is awesome. Um, so I think one thing that we share in common is we went to small schools, but we're probably, there's not a lot of black people. 
Um, for me, I was like the only woman in my computer science department, as small as I was. So I know a lot of our listeners are, you know, similar, uh, well, at least maybe might be in a similar situation, right? So tell me a little bit about your experience being one of the few black people on campus, as well as, you know, being a woman in, in computer science and how you really handled, you know, your race coming from Africa specifically um, in such a white, predominantly white school or town and how you navigated to get to Google. Yeah, I think one of the worst parts about going to Grinnell was definitely the fact that it was very homogeneous and that it was mostly white, both the town and I think a little bit better, so the university or the college. Um, thankfully, there were multicultural groups, including an African and Caribbean group on campus that um, became my second home. So they found me my first semester and were like, there's an African group. We hear you're African because you went to the international student or like orientation. Let's kind of help you out. And a couple of them were also computer science majors. So I had a sort of support system through them. But in a lot of ways, it was definitely pretty hard. Um, like I remember for the gender perspective, it wasn't quite as bad because one of my professors was a woman. Of five professors, she was like one of them was a woman, which helped out a lot because I took my intro class with her. But at the same time, there are like little things that pop up. So there was another black girl who's a good friend of mine now who was in my intro class who she would call us each other's names. And it's we don't look alike at all. Like I'm much taller, I'm much larger. Um, we would have different hairstyles. Like there was no reason why we should be like, but it was one of those like weird, small things that would happen. Um, and I'd heard of that happening to some of my other friends who are like, if there were two black guys, they would get confused for each other in our CS classes as well. And it's definitely like a, a microaggression. Like I know the professor and we've talked about it and they felt very horrible whenever it happened. But it was definitely one of those things that made you feel a little bit um, kind of hard uh, or making the experience a little harder than it needed to be. Uh, other times when I definitely would feel very different. So I signed up to be a TA for my intro level class my second semester. And for some reason they said yes, which I think they were just like the gall of her one like you took one class and you already want a TA but they let me do it and I remember because it's an intro class and in, in the um in the in this school that I was explaining is um liberal arts anyone takes intros including third years and seniors so there was a senior who was taking intro to CS because he just needed another CS credit and he would not listen to me whenever I was trying to help him with things because I guess I was definitely at thinking that my age played a factor, but also the fact that I was a black woman. So I would complain to my professor and be like, that's, and my professor could clearly see that he was not listening to me, um, which was annoying because I was right. And I was like, I'm here to help you. I don't have to help you. So eventually I would like avoid him or um, our intro classes are all pair programming. So like they're his students pair would usually listen to me and they would work out but eventually like throughout the semester I would sort of like was like if you don't want to let me help you that there's no point I'm getting paid either way like I'm not gonna let you annoy me about this and um that's not like there was one of many experiences right there were definitely as part of being a pair I was matched with other men like when I was in my classes I was matched with people who would also be very dismissive of my ideas and I know part of that is because of my like my race and my gender um, and it's hard to sort of pinpoint that but there were a lot of resources and sort of 
groups like we had a women in computer science group where we discussed things like that so i knew that sadly it happened to other folks so there's a solidarity there but also an anger that you're not like that's kind of when negative things happen to a group of people i think you both feel like yes other people get it but also like i'm so annoyed i'm not the only one this happens to um and just being in Iowa, my classes overall, I think the CS department tried to be as inclusive as possible. They definitely like paid for us to go to conferences that maybe helped us. So like they sent students to Grace Hopper, the women in computing conference every year. And also to, we didn't have a Nesby chapter, so we didn't go to Nesby because we didn't have an engineering department as a liberal arts school. But we went to like um, Tapia conference, which is for folks of color and things like that. So they tried to be as inclusive as possible and, and that's one of the ways. Um, but I know that other students who went to Grinnell and did were in other departments definitely struggled a lot if their department wasn't specifically looking out for them in that way. I know a few friends who like decided Grinnell wasn't for them because they felt that it was a very uninclusive environment. I had a positive experience in a lot of ways because also I got what I wanted out of it. Like I got a job at Google at the end of it. And I also learned a lot from my CS department and made a lot of great friends through things like the African Caribbean Student Union. Um, those was a black, concerned black students, so like our like American black students tilted towards that multicultural group. So I attended both, especially toward later in my time at Grinnell and those groups were very supportive. But a lot of times there were just a lot of outlets for us to complain about stuff. Like there was an incident where a town's person who lived in Grinnell was racist towards like black Grinnell students. And like there was a truck that would go around campus sort of like shouting the n-word at um, black students that they saw and so those are like a lot of little experiences that happen when you struggle and look so different in a very very white town um and i'm not i'm not saying everyone in the town generally was pretty nice but then you would have times when you would worry something like that would happen which i don't know if it would have happened if i went to a larger more progressive town um first off um i'm sorry you had to go through some of those things um i guess that's kind of like some of the realities about being an international student in a small college town away that doesn't really have a diverse population it's unfortunately one of those um realities and given all the things you learned and went through during your time in grinnell i'm curious how do you think that has affected either some of your career choices so whether it's like maybe some of the things you participate in while at google or volunteer experience or things of that nature how do you feel like that has affected that uh, it's affected for the positive in a lot of ways i think my time at grinnell showed me the power of having like building community and in a lot of ways like big tech can feel similar in terms of let's say the homogeneity of like tech is also like close to 90% white and Asian, right? So it's, you're navigating sort of similar systems. So I, I almost appreciate Grinnell for being a bridge between Tanzania and Google, because like I kind of got the vibe of in a safer place, right? Of um, and the time when like my, I'm not being judged in terms of like my employment. Um, so I got a chance of kind of understanding how to navigate um, systems that don't look of me that aren't looking like me um, while at Grinnell. So I carried that with me to Google. Um, 
So I do a lot of volunteering and mentoring for folks who are new to tech, especially folks exclusively with folks who look like me. Um, so I've done like high school mentorship with a program that Google has for black and brown high school students. I've mentored um, interns that have come at Google or folks who from my college who want to go into Google. Um, so I've gone back to my university a few times to like recruit for Google. Um, and also I get tapped a lot by Google to go to a lot of our more diverse conferences and universities, which I explicitly apply for. Like, it's not like they're like, hey, you black person go to Howard. I was like, I'm happy to go to a university. And then they were like, oh, we, we might need someone at Howard or you can go to this other one. And I picked Howard. Um, other ways that I think that it's helped me is, uh, again, going back to like that, a good bridge. There was a lot of things that I learned at Grinnell in a safer environment that have helped me navigate being an adult in the US a lot better. I mean, being an international black person is very different from being an American black person. And part of why I took like the African-American history class is after like 2015 with um, Black Lives Matter kind of spreading more information wise, I had to figure, I didn't understand. So I de definitely had to take the time to figure out like, why is this important? Why is it, there controversy around it? I was working at Twitter at the time, so I was seeing a lot of tweets about it and there was like some controversy, just people felt uncomfortable by it. And I was just like, why? Why is happening? I need to learn because I thought I would be in, and I am in the US for a while. And when you're on the street, no one's like, oh, they're not American black. Like if someone wants to be discriminatory towards you, they don't care your background. They, they're judging you for your skin tone. So, but I mean, I also just wanted to understand other people's experience. So it was, it was a safe place for me to learn about other folks who don't have the same background as I do. Another, like the gender and sexuality class that also gave me a really good understanding, especially coming from a country that's much more non-understanding towards um, people of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Um, I definitely needed some time to learn about it and be a better human. And I think that I appreciate that Grinnell has helped helped me learn about those things in a safer college type environment. I think that's what college is for, just to kind of help you solidify and understand and learn more about your beliefs. So you can um, hopefully be a better person in society if they do it right. And you're also a willing person to learn those things, which I hope to think I was. Sounds great, Jeanette. So tell us a little bit about Google. I think I have my own perceptions of Google. Like I feel like Google has everything provided for you guys, at least when right now we're in a pandemic, obviously. But I feel like I just think of Google <laughs> as this, you know, you know, you work hard and you also play hard kind of place where there's food available, there's ping pong tables, like there's all these things, right? So tell us about your experience at Google um, and you know what you miss about Google being in person, I will say now that we're in the pandemic. Ooh, yeah, I miss a lot about in-person Google. So I've been at Google for three and a half years. So I got a, like two plus years of enjoying like in office Google. It's different, <laughs> definitely being virtual. Um, Google's fantastic in a ton of ways. It's a well-known brand. You know, I definitely know that I benefit from the fact like when I say Google software engineer, there is a positive mental thought that goes through your head, right? Um, no matter if you work in tech or outside of it. Um, so I really appreciate that part of Google. It's helped me almost have a feeling of 
um, competency, like an assumed competency, <laughs> which is very helpful um, as a black woman sometimes, because there isn't, um, for, for folks who don't, who might not be as positive with their stereotypes about black women, it can sometimes be helpful. So I appreciate that. Um, in other ways also, coming from like a small university like Grinnell, people didn't know where that was and Google kind of helped me sort of have a brand name on my resume. So it's kind of improved my like status when I apply to places, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but kind of speaking of the culture of Google, I, I really appreciate it in a lot of ways. And there's some ways I do think that it can be better. Um, when I first arrived at Google, I joined a really fantastic team in site reliability engineering and learned a lot about systems. Um, my team has always been super supportive and I'm very happy that even the teams that I've changed, I've changed teams and I'm working on Google Maps now, it's still a, a supportive team. Um, I am the only black woman on my team right now and I'm happy to say I'm not the only black person, our PM is black. And actually on my um, SRE team, there was another black woman. I was like, wow, what are the chances? But in most teams like Google is only about 2% or 3% black. And that's not- That's crazy. That's common in big tech, sadly. Um, and I'm hoping that they're doing things to fix it, but obviously like it's, it is uncomfortable sometimes when I think about that. Um, when it comes to the perks, there were there are a lot of them, and even us being virtual, there's a lot that still persists. Like um, when we moved to virtual, Google gave us a stipend for us to help like set up our home offices, which was very helpful because I was like coding on my vanity, which was terrible for my back. I did I buy things for myself, but them reimbursing me was much help. Um, but the, I learned I've learned a lot at my time at Google that definitely they do things in a very cool way that like you work on a lot of impactful projects. Like when I talk to people about working on Google Maps right now, like folks know about maps. It's a really large product. People don't think about getting lost anymore because of Google Maps. And I love that I work on a product that helps folks every day. Um, it's harder to sort of like compare the perks of Google now that we're not in the office, right? I like. I, I'm very appreciative of the years that I didn't have to prepare my own lunch because I worked at Google because I got food every day. You can essentially get all three. You can get all three meals at Google when we were in the office, which was nice. Um, I got opportunities to go to conferences that Google paid for because I was recruiting for them, which was also awesome. So I could do my own networking. Um, the more negative side of Google is when something happens at Google, you do hear about it on the news, which was crazy i remember my first time like when like was a there was a in like late 2017 there was a memo that went around by like a google employee that was um i can't remember what what it was called but essentially it, it was berating or saying negative things about like people of color and women and saying that they're inferior in some way it was written by a google engineer and Google definitely terminated that person, but it had spread internally. And I'd heard about it first internally, but then like the next day I hear about it in the news and my friends are asking me. And it's not like press were asking me or anything. It's just my like local community. But it was still just like, it's so strange to experience something at work and then like see it on the news and have to like experience that. And there's been other incidents, um, which I'm sure every company maybe might have their own versions of those. But just seeing it on the news is very weird. Like with the 
um, Timnit being fired earlier this or terminated, whatever the legal jargon is for what that situation. We, I'm first processing it internally because you're saying like I'm losing an, um, a black coworker even though her and I didn't work together. But like I said, there's so few black people and black women that I'm like, that's a hit. Whenever I hear of someone especially publicly leaving in a negative manner. And then I'm also exp like experiencing it as a person in the community because I hear about it everywhere and it's all over Twitter. And that's sort of a negative aspect of Google. Um, there, There is so much there and wanting to like, uh, and it's not like it matters, like my opinion, I'm definitely not a person press talk to and I'm not allowed to talk to press anyway on behalf of Google and this is never in behalf of Google, but it's definitely just a very strange experience to go through. That's so I, I was actually gonna, you brought you brought it up before I could, um, the experience with Tim Nitti, Um and I am definitely not pronouncing her name correctly, so forgive me. Uh, Tim Nitt, is that correct? Yes? I think so. Uh, we can call her Dr. Jebru if we want. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. um, and it, so I think it's one of those weird experiences where, like you said, because of how public Google is, um, mm -hmm. at other companies, this may be something that's like easy to just be like, eh, it's, it's happening there. Right. But, um, how, how does that, because you did definitely mention like some struggles with like not enough representation at Google for not mm -hmm. only black people but black women, um, and with the more public fallout between Dr. Jebru and Google, did that like affect the way you saw the company? Did that affect the way you try to approach different things about your work? I'm just very curious how. That experience for you what as someone who's a black woman and someone who works at Google now obviously only what you're comfortable sharing but I'm, I'm very curious about that uh it was definitely very strange and I had a lot of conf like I have a few other black women engineers at Google that I talked to so we definitely had a few discussions of like how do we feel about this and then there was also like Google wanted to like make sure that we were all okay so they were um, through like our employee resource groups there were conversations about like the black community, like how do we feel and kind of chatting about that. I think in a lot of ways, there was a lot of frustration because there's some people who felt like a, a, a similarly misheard in some um, avenue here or there. Um, and, and sometimes like it makes you feel that their efforts of in, in improving retention for black folks at Google or um, improving our hiring and kind of representation internally. When things like that happen, it makes you question whether how truthful that feels. It feels, it can feel more like lip service. Um, so there's a, a loss of trust that kind of happens there. And I, it, it'll take a while for me to like go back. There's also, I think as you, the longer you stay in the tech industry and when you hear of situations like this happening, there's like a, an opening of eyes that is maybe you can say, think of it as negative considering but also maybe more realistic like I, you go into tech with a very kind of like bright eyed kind of bright eyed bushy tailed of like yes I can make an impact it's going to be great I'm so excited I'm working at this cool company and everything and you kind of get a chance to see some of the more negative sides of it um, 
I mean, I, from my personal experience, like, I don't love how that situation went down. I, I don't know the specifics of it, but either way, I'm not happy about the fact that Google now is seen as a company that fires um, black women or terminates them or however that went, but, or um, especially because Dr. Jebru was a very well-known AI ethicist, um, especially in the, the race perspective. Um, so I think that losing a well-known black woman who talks about ethics of race in AI at a company as large as Google who works on AI looks bad, <laughs> no matter how you spin it, at least to me. So there's a there's an avenue there where I'm like, that's so disappointing. It's also like, how do I go and represent Google and tell folks that it's fantastic? And when what would I say when they kind of like if I go talk to black women about going to Google, how will I respond to that question if now I'm also losing trust, right? There's also a an avenue there of not wanting to be like a like a um like I said, I've gone to conferences or talked to people about Google. I can't do that anymore. I, to the same degree of like enthusiasm, because I'm like, there's a public example of a negative aspect of Google that I don't know how to approach, and I don't know if I should approach. Um, it, it's just, it's hard. I, I don't know if there's like a, a succinct way I can explain it. I, I don't know if it's impacted me, but it's definitely made me careful in some ways. Um, though I'm nowhere near her level of like impact at Google in terms of like she was reporting to a, I think she was either a director or reporting to a director and I'm nowhere near there. So it's like, um, I don't know. It feels strange. Yeah, it's actually interesting. I, um, I think on another podcast, I actually would like to dig a little bit deeper into AI and ethics and how like black people are represented with, in the future, if you will, as it relates to artificial intelligence. Um, but I'm going to steer this <clears throat> conversation into another direction, which is one of the things that I get because I'm in tech from my community, you talked about the impression that Google has on your resume. People just kind of assume that you're smart, right? One of the things that I feel like I get is everyone thinks I can fix their problem or their computer. Talk to me a little bit oh, more. Yeah. <laughs> about that like do you do you have that with your family like if there's a problem is your mom calling you to to fix something specifically yeah um i think that i i have the benefit of my my parents both work in engineering and my mom works in tech as well so there's an avenue of like they kind of get not that i'm not i i'm not their it person so i can't fix everything but i think also in general as an African child, your parents will call you to fix something. So I don't associate it too much with being the fact that I am at Google, though I do get from my local, well, from all my friends, if they have a specific problem with a Google device, and it's not like they want me to go fix some code, they're literally like, how do I use my Google Home? And I'm like, here is an article, <laughs> good luck. I don't know what's going on with it. Try switching it off and on. Let's see if that helps you. Um, I do definitely get when I talk to people, if I'm working on a particular tool at Google, they're always just like, oh, you work on Google Maps? Actually, the map in my area told me to go left and it was wrong. And I was just like, I can't help you with that part. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do about that. Um, I can't fix the map. Like, I, I feel like they're thinking that I helped build the actual map. So I can just go in and say that that road is wrong, but I can't, <laughs> like there's a lot of automation there. 
that's also not my job. So, um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I take it. I think it, it goes in, it, it goes with the, it go, I take it in stride. I'm just like, I can't fix that. Or I am like, oh, maybe you should file a bug. This is how you file bugs. And then I have nothing to do with that information after that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, it happens to me all the time. And like, even from like, I work at Microsoft, like even from like Microsoft computers, I have to, to figure out a way to fix it's, it's, it's Oh, you have it much harder. I think so, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, BC, you need to plug me with that Microsoft Office 360. Oh my God, I get this I, all I the time. Do you have a code? <laughs> yes, I will share yes, the code. I will share the code with you guys. I will share oh. the code. There is a code. Oh, There's a family and friends. Everyone should use Google Drive instead. <laughs> no, no, no. Plug for Microsoft. <laughs> Google, Google Drive. <laughs> it's better. Office 365. Office 365. Um, all right, so here I would like to, you know, I mean, first of all, thank you so much, Adrian. I've learned so much about you. I think that you are really similar to me in ways that I never recognized. So we should definitely talk more. Um, hey. If you were to summarize who you are, um, you know, and just maybe give people that are listening um, advice on, you know, just things to watch out for, things you wish you knew at this stage of your career, what, what, would, that, what would that be? Hmm. I'm not sure. I, I think of myself, um, I've described myself as an empathetic engineer before <laughs> uh, in terms I of like the that. fact that I, I like building tools for people that also think about them as like a holistic person in their life. Um, and I think that that's very important, especially in tech, kind of going back like that ethics side of it, like we're, we're building for everyone in the world. Hopefully, I mean, that's Google's branding thing built for everyone. And I think it's really important to like keep in track, like when you're building things to make sure that it's as useful and as accessible and as impactful to as many diverse groups of people as possible. Um, any advice that I would have? Um, I think it's always great. And I think that's something to know that I, I think everyone should know is that it's, it's really good to be communicative about what you want. Um, in your career and as you're looking at things. So definitely communicate with your team as much as possible about like what you wanna work on, what's the status of what you're working on um, and making sure you have it on paper when you do particular tasks so you get the credit that you deserve. Um, and then an, an, another part of kind of being communicative is if, if you want something kind of to come your way, folks, especially when you're on larger teams as a company as large as Google, people don't know unless I tell them if I want to work on a new team or on something different. I try to tell as many of the people I'm associated with as I can. I'm like, hey, I want to work like more closely with developers. Do you know any teams that are working with developers? And like specifically, so I go and tell like my former manager, my current manager, my friends who work in a different part of Google, anyone I've met at like other things that are happening and even externally. And I think that it can help people who care about you and are thinking about your well-being if they see an opportunity that they think you'd be a good fit for. They're like, Ajuna's already told me she's interested in developer relations or working with developers. If I see an opportunity about developer relations, I should send that to Ajuna and vice versa. So I think it's really important to state what you want. It helps it kind of come true. Spot on. I agree. So, Adrina, before you leave us today, 
um, as our first guest on the AfriCode podcast. You're gonna be you're gonna get the honor to be the first person to give us what I call our felicity moment. And oh, for no. clarity, what's a felicity moment? So if you've ever watched the way developers are portrayed in superhero movies, mm-hmm. there's always a screen with text going on and a lot of moving stuff. And next thing you know, you just hear a keyboard going. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Exactly. <laughs> it's almost like a yes. This is the moment where I'm that guy. I'm that person. Um, now, to be, before you go, can you give us an example? Obviously, we know working in the real world, it it does not look like that. But yes. can you give us an example of one of those "I am that guy" moments you've had as a developer so far? Uh, before Google, or can before I talk Google, about... at Google, in anywhere in life, just one of those moments you are like, ah, I am actually not terrible at this, and I'm I actually consider myself pretty good at this. Yeah, uh, I think that. So I, I mentioned briefly that I worked as a site reliability engineer for my first year and a half at Google, which meant that I was responsible for systems. It's so site reliability engineers are engi- engineers who use software to build. Um, tools that help release systems or manage systems. So I was in charge of one of our virtualization systems at Google and I was on call for it. That was part of my job. So I was, it was a weekend. Um, I had gone to brunch with my friends. I was having a good time and I got an, I got on call. Like I got an alert that half of our systems were down in one part of the world. And I was just like, oh no. <laughs> what do I do about this? Um, thankfully, we're well trained about it, and my team is very supportive. So I immediately, like, there was already another person online for some weird reason, just helping to make sure everything was okay. But I was able to troubleshoot what was going on, reach out to the relevant teams to get it fixed. And I mean, I knew I was on call, so I had everything I needed with me. But my friends are here at brunch, and I'm there on my laptop, sort of typing away, trying to figure something out. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I told you I was on call, but I would come anyway. Um, but we were able to fix it while I was still at brunch. So there, eventually, like, we fixed it. I was like, I'm actually good at this. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, we were able to figure out what was happening. And then... Um, we finished it up. I closed my laptop. Everything was back up, and I ordered my mimosa to celebrate. <laughs> Ate my food, and we closed it out. But that was one of my favorite moments. I was just like, ah, I'm not bad at this. Like I was able to find out what was going on and get it fixed in a brunch session. Look at me. That's that awesome. is that is very millennial development. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, oh yeah, I, I have our systems in this other part of the world was down and I fixed it in the middle of a brunch session. Shout out to me. Shout out to you, Arjuna. Uh, but, but yes, thank you for joining us. Um, we appreciate your company and look forward to hearing about some of the great things you're going to be doing in the future. Thank you both. See you all around. BC, thank we you. have a lunch date, it sounds, to chat about more about life. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's yeah, get it on yeah. the calendar. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, Edgina. Thank you, guys.